and he liked to joke, and Rebbe felt uh, that his avoda was a very serious avoda, and he didn't want to make jokes. So initially, he did not invite Bar Kapara to the wedding, because uh, Igmor actually describes him as a badkin, somebody who makes, that's, that's like your official title. Today, a badkin is a joke, you know, somebody who tells jokes at weddings, like the, what? An entertainer, right. So, uh, but uh, again, uh, this is Agatha and a much deeper meaning. These were great sages. Uh, and so uh, it sounds like he tried to make points in learning through humor. And again, Rebbe, was, his avoda was more serious. Um, he ends up getting an invite to the wedding. So uh, that was the, that's what we talked about yesterday, how he wrote on that uh, Rebbe's spending all this money and he's not inviting me and he's inviting all these non-Jews and... Uh, so he gets the invite. So let's see. Uh, we are three lines from the bottom on 50B. No numbered base. Um, why did Rebbe not uh, want to have the famous Badkin, a famous scholar who used humor, Bar Kapora, to come to the wedding? So the Gemara explains, Yom de Miktik Bo Rebbe Asi Prinusel Oma. On the day that Rebbe uh, makes jokes, uh, trouble comes to the world. That's the, it, it almost presents that as a fact. Um, uh, and in fact, in case you don't believe me, let's look quickly at Rashi, seven lines up. Lo ismin la bar kapara. He didn't invite bar kapara, lefishau ish batkin, because he was a person who couldn't help himself, was always making jokes. And misyari shem yasa shum davar you know, those people that like to make people laugh, they can't be, they can't be too serious. They can't help themselves. At, at a funeral, they'll make people laugh. You know, it's just part of their nature. So Bar Kapara did not want to invite him. And he said on the day when, I'm sorry, Rebbe didn't want, Rebbe didn't want to invite him. But, uh, you know, he's, he, he was publicly talking to people about how Rebbe spent all this money and didn't invite him. Some people say he invited him to the Shavarachas. Like, that was like the... Um, and that's also a lesson, like, sometimes, you know, you think you've figured it out, and then when you see the other person's upset, so you try to uh, uh, fix it from there. Okay, so Omele Lev Bar Kapara. So he invites Bar Kapara, but he tells him, Lo Tabkitum. He says, do me a favor, no jokes, and I'll give you, I'll even pay you. You can keep your mouth quiet, and you don't make any bad kindness at this wedding, I'll pay you. 40 grievies of wheat. We're on the bottom line on 50B. No numbered base. We started from three lines from the bottom. We're in the middle of the wedding of Rebbe's uh, son. And Bar Kapara was, uh, not, didn't get an invite. And he expressed his uh, being upset. And then he gets the invite. And so he tells Bar Kapara, you can come, but no jokes. And he promises, I'll even pay you 40 grievies of wheat. So Omele Lexemar. Mar... Uh, the master will see, as we turn to today's page, the kol grivi de bi'ina shekino. I can take as much as I want. Don't, don't limit me to 40 grivies. Um, let's see what that means. I don't know what that means. But he tells Rebbe, I'm not, I'm not limited to buy, you know, okay, you want no jokes, do you, uh, that I deserve money? He says, I deserve even more. Okay. So, shakil shakil diklu... Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yes, that's right. So what did he do? Shako Shakino Dikla Rabba. He went 
and he got a very big basket. It holds more than a greedy. Chafia Kufra. And uh, it's interesting that it even tells us uh, he, he coated it with pitch. Apparently, if you don't put the pitch in, it won't hold so much wheat. Then the wheat will fall out of the holes in the basket. Uh, but so it tells us, Besokve, and uh, he takes this wheat basket and he puts it on his head. You know, this is slapstick humor. He wears it on his head. And then he shows up at the chasna. And he says, that tells everybody, um, the, uh, the master, uh, give me my 40 um, that you're required to pay me. And this looked so ridiculous to see somebody with an upside-down basket. Achuk Rebbe. Rebbe couldn't help himself, and he chuckled. Okay. So I, my assumption is that this isn't just the funniness of seeing somebody wearing a basket upside-down. This was some deeper reference to some symbolism here. Of He turned it out, flipped it over. By the way, most humor is that you take something and you make it say something that's ridiculous, you know, that's upside down, you know, that's something that you, uh, that you wouldn't have thought of. That's where the humor part. So, Rebbe... We part it, Rashi, so Mephoris says, on the outside. In order that it hold the wheat. In the, yeah. in other words, this, this was not just a hat. Okay. This was also a black hat. The first black hatter, okay, you know, yeah. Think, uh, wearing a basket is strange enough, mm -hmm. but wearing a basket that's painted black is... You know, it's really... Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, um, so now Rebbe has a complaint. He said, Lava Zartika, didn't I tell you the low titprin? Uh, I told you no jokes. He said, um, this isn't a joke. I'm, I'm collecting what I'm owed. Um, which, not clear what his answer is. Um, But was this a second joke when he answered him? In other words, Rebbe complained to him, what are you joking for? And so his, he says, I'm not, I'm not really joking. I'm just, uh, I, I can't hold my wheat or something. Okay. Anyway, we get the, the kind, of, we don't get the joke. We get the joke. That's the, uh, so Bar Kapara. Now, Bar Kapara is not finished over here. It's, to me, it looks like he's not interested in collecting the wheat. He's interested in making the jokes. So Bar Kapara uh, told Labarte de Rebbe. He told Rebbe's daughter. Uh, now, I wonder... Um, okay, so he told Rebbe's daughter. Now, I don't know what he's doing in the women's section, but he says, Lamachar, tomorrow, when I come to this wedding, Shesinu Kamra, I'm going to drink wine, be Rikuda de Avicha, uh, with your father being the entertainment, he's going to dance, Ubekirkani de Imecha. And uh, your mother is going to uh, pour me the cup. She's going to be my bartender, and your father's going to do the entertainment. And the Ran is, is, is even more interesting. He says your mother is going to do the singing. I don't know what that means. Um, I thought women don't do the singing, so, but uh, that's the, uh, the way the Ran has it. That I was reading Urashi. 
he says the it says uh mezameris. So your mother's gonna do this word karkardi is like croaking, croaking. She's gonna be the croaking. But uh so uh Oh, I see. Okay, and, and that makes sense. The Ben Yoyada was from a Sparty country, you know. That's the so very good. Thank you, Richard. Uh, so that's the Spartan claim. The um, they the women at the at happy occasions they do the ooh, you know they do the uh, uh, they do the. So he was telling now what. Oh really? There's its own verb, uulating. Okay, I don't think I've ever used that word before. Okay, um, so uh, the interesting thing though is is that very hush of a people wouldn't typically, you know, you can't see like you know the uh, Revitin Kanyevsky going, ooh, you know, it's just it's not it's something that's very dignified. <coughs> so when he tells the daughter that your mother and uh, your father's going to dance in front of me and your mother's going to do the woo thing in front of me that was um uh that was like how are you going to have that happen that's not going to happen like what's uh so uh but really what he was doing was he was warning them that he was planning on making everybody laugh and uh everybody would see uh that would seem ridiculous and they would laugh at that so this is how he set them up so ben alicia chasta de rabbi havi um uh that now there's more to the story there always is so uh, he had a son-in-law. I don't know if this was the son-in-law who was married to that daughter or not. Uh, the Ben Elisha was the son-in-law of Rebbe. The Usher Gado was a wealthy guy. He was also at this wedding. Okay, so Amalei Bar Kapara the Rebbe. Now Bar Kapara tells Rebbe the following. My, um, it's a funny thing to talk about at the wedding. There are certain forbidden uh, um, sexual relations in the Torah. And... Uh, the Torah uses very interesting words to describe them that are not used in other places. In other words, they're very boring sexual relations where all the Torah says is thou shall not. And then there are certain ones where the Torah doesn't just say thou shall not, but actually gives you a few choice words for the disgusting person that uh, were to do those things. And so, and those words are not so clear what they mean. And so, Bar Kapara at the wedding throws out the first of them. He says, my toeva. So it says, uh, this is usually homosexuality, it uses that word, toeva. Really disgusting. That's how we translate it. But what does that word mean? Uh, uh, my toeva. So Rebbe, uh, he asked a, a scholarly question, so Rebbe gave him a scholarly answer. Kol omer le Rebbe de hachenhu toeva pircha bar kapara. Kapar was a brilliant scholar. Whatever Rebbe told him was the definition of the word. Eh, nah, Rakapara, uh, he uh, he uh, disproved that theory. Okay, you get an idea of how brilliant he must have. You know, he you know Rebbe's no slouch. You know, so he whatever Rebbe said, he was able to. No, nah, no, nah, that can't be what it means. Omerlei, so he said Pirshaat. Okay, you explain it. You always have to know, if you're going to knock someone else's chat down, eventually they're going to ask you, all right, new, what do you say? So Omele, uh, he said, you want me to tell you pshat? He said, I'm not going to tell you unless you, Tasi Debisa, unless your wife comes, Timuli Natal, Achas, if your wife will pour me a drink. She has to come from the other side of the Mechitza and mix me my drink from the chief rabbits and herself. So uh, that's, 
that's the only condition that I'm going to give you an answer. You, so th- there is a Gemara. The, sometimes if somebody wants to learn something, they have to show they're invested in it. They're willing to do something for it. So he said, if you really, you know, if you're serious about really wanting to know the pshat, so then you'll have your wife uh, come bring me that. Okay. So then, and again, the rule is once you ask for one thing, you up the ante. Well, you know, he did that. No, no, not yet. I need more. So, kum Now I need you to do me a rakita. I need you to dance in front of me. So the emelach hachi So he did it. The emelach. So hachi amarachmana. So then he explains. This is what the Torah is saying. To eva toa ataba lekosta achrina. Uh, the you the person uh, who is having relations with men, he's straying, he's like lost. Um, they look at the Rashi. He's allowed to have relations with women, and he's married. And uh, this is not just homosexuality. Toeva is a, uh, is a person uh, who. Um, well, the, the Ron learned this by homosexuality. It says it in a few places. But basically, a person has an area of relations which is permitted to him, and uh, he's looking for a totally different experience. Uh, and so that's the word. The word to'eva comes from lost, stray. This person is strayed. Uh, he's going to somewhere where it's not a natural area to go to. So that was answer number one. Omerle. Then Bar Kapara was on a roll, so then he threw out question number two. What does it mean, table? Uh, this is the word used by bestiality. So Omerle, Ki, and Yanukadmoi, so they went through the same routine again. Rebbe tried to answer him. Bar Kapara slugged up Rebbe. Uh, Rebbe said, um, uh, Bar Kapara said, okay, I need your wife to bring me another cup of wine, and you do the dance again. So Omerle, Eviluk, the Omer, um, so Omerle, Eviluk, Evili, do it again for me, the Omerlach of it. And he did it. So Rebbe went along a second time. Omerlach, Tevahu. Now, by the way, Rebbe didn't want to do this, uh, but to learn Torah, he was willing to uh, humiliate himself because he really wanted to know Pshat. Uh, you know, the know Pshat in Torah is worth everything. So... How did you translate Lekisei Akrina? Another cup. Another cup. A different cup. okay. In other words, this is his cup, and he doesn't... He's straying after imagine if you were at a wedding and well this happens sometimes the the uh, the chairs get mixed up but uh and some the person sitting next to you instead of drinking out of his cup he drinks out of your cup what business do you have that's you know you're given your own cup to drink from so why would you take your neighbor's cup all right that's the so a person you're a man a person is given a wife and is given a you know why would he uh uh he's straying that's that's how i understood that uh what's table so what's with this animals? This word table, he said, comes from the word tavlin, spices. Tavlin yeshba, misana hadabia min kulin Did did you really hate? Basically, that when a person has relations with a human, that's a natural uh, kind of relation, and a person has natural enjoyment from those kind of relations. There's a, it's, there's the fact that he's interacting with a human. Uh, whereas when a person has relations with an animal, it doesn't have the same spice. Uh, the animal doesn't react to it. The animal doesn't have the sensations, and it's not a... So, like, it's called table, meaning it's, it's 
totally bland. It's like totally not the same uh, kind of world uh, uh, when the person does this. Oh, okay. So then he asked him the third question. What's this word zima? So Amalei Evid Kiyan Kadma. He says you... He, so again, Rebbe tried to answer him. He did before. Then he says, I'm not going to tell you until you pour me another cup and until the, uh, till the wife mixes the cup, until you do the dance. Uh, and then he does it. Amalei Zuma. The word zima means uh, somebody has a child and you don't know who the dad is. Zuma. This one, what is it? Uh, it's, it's basically that what's wrong with Zima is it, it's with a woman. And it could be he even loves the woman. But you won't know who the father is. If a person doesn't stick to one mate, he's not going to... Uh, he's going to... The land will be full of Zima. It means it'll be full of children who don't know who their parents are. Um, the Ran seems to say, uh, the Rash, And if a person doesn't know who his parents are, he won't be able to marry anyone because he won't know who his relatives are. He won't know if the wife is permitted or forbidden. Zuma, like, what is, the, what is this? Okay. So uh, at this point, the son-in-law has had it with him messing with his mother-in-law and with his father-in-law. So he sticks up for the in-laws. He said, Lo yuko ben Elisha and Miswabe. He couldn't handle Barkapar anymore. Now, by the way, that, that has to do with him being wealthy. Wealthy people don't have much patience for this kind of thing. Kum benafikle, um, he says, we're getting out of here. Kum, uh, and, he, and he, he left the wedding, which was quite a scene to have the son-in-law leave the wedding. Now, my Ben Elisha, what's the deal? Who was this Ben Elisha? So he was famous for the foul, Netanya. Lo lechinam pizer Ben Elisha esmosef. He spent money to, uh, he spent the most money on a barber than anybody in his day. He had the fanciest haircut. And uh, a lot of people said, that's wasting your money. There was a certain politician that used to get, there's certain barbers that uh, charge, you know, like thousands of dollars, hundreds. What was his name? The, um, was the Southern governor. I forgot what his name was, that they caught him going to like this super, you know, like you got to really, you know, you can have a, a good barber, but to have the best of the best, it's like, and would you really notice the difference between the, an average barber? So this Ben Elisha spent like a fortune to have a barber who tailored each hair. In other words, usually you just cut hundreds of hairs. This barber had a haircut where each hair had to be cut exactly in the right place. So you might think that he like wasted his money. Uh, no, he, was, he wanted to keep up the haircut of the coin guttle. The Xiv custom yukasmenos roshim. The, uh, which, what does that mean? Tanya, it looks like lilinus. My lilinus, it's a special kind of haircut. The top begins where the There's a concept of a deeper meaning that everything has its place. The kaingado was fully, uh, was so intricate that even every hair was cut to perfection. And so uh, he wanted... And being a Kohen Gadol means that he wanted to duplicate that avoda of the Kohen Gadol, if you want to learn it in, a, uh, in that way. Okay, why the Gemara brings that here, you know, just to give us a sense of who he was, perhaps. Okay, moving on. Why Again, he wasted we're... a third time? What? Why did he waste it a third time? If he's concerned about the kavod of his in-laws. Um, because at the end of the day, it was his, par- his in-laws were there. They should have spoken up, and so they didn't. So sometimes you finally wait to... 
you know. It, he, he waited until after they did. They already humiliated themselves, but uh, maybe he thought Bar Kapara will keep on going. Uh, I don't know. It, it's a fascinating story. You could read into it what you want. Uh, He did it. Yeah, exactly. He uh, and he gave the warning. Yeah, that's the. Uh, so, oh, but the last Saramutsa. Now I wonder if she told them, and then they said, "Oh, there's no way that's going to happen." And then, sure enough, it happens. Okay. Um, so then we finally get back to the Mishnah. There, if a person now we're back into the Dorim after now, why these things were in the Dorim again is also interesting. There, there's a reason why certain agadatas are in certain mesechtas. I can't tell you why that this uh, this was particularly found here. So uh, he, the vow, though, was cooked foods, and we said it excludes a ramutza gourd. So Yomara said, what's a ramutza gourd? My delas ramutza. So Omer Shmuel Kara Karkuzu. Uh, he said it's the, it's the Karkuzu one, the, the one that grows in Karkuzu. It's a certain place called Karkuzu uh, that uh, the um, uh, Rashi says that Karkuzu Delon uh, shows the gourds in that place. You can never cook them right. So it's not called a cooked food. I don't know if it means they eat them raw, but that's the one that's not included. Ravashi says, no, it's the last Hatzmuna Baremetz. It's not cooked in the oven, it's cooked in hot coals. A particular gourd, that's the method that you use. So he said anything that's cooked in the regular way is forbidden. That wouldn't include the one that's put in the coals. Esve Ravina Ravashi has a question. Are you sure that's what it means? It's an Aramaic gourd. The last Hamitris. There's an Aramaic gourd. There's an Egyptian gourd. Klayim. Ima Yavanis. Together with the Greek gourd, those are two different species. You can't plant them together. And that's also Klayim. Im Harmutza. The Harmutza gourd is another species. So clearly, it's not just a method of cooking. It's a totally different type of gourd. Chufta. That's a good proof. Um... And, and, you know, actually we call, like, we call squash a gourd, and then they have, uh, then pumpkins a gourd, but then they have the ones that people uh, uh, are just made for show. They're just made to look at. They're not really, it's a totally different species, even though we call them all gourds. I don't know what the connotation of a gourd is, but apparently the same family, maybe. But uh, that's what more is proving, that this particular one is a different, different type. Okay, new Mishnah. Hanoder the Maisa Kadeira. This time he says, I for no, not could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to point out it's fascinating. In the note, they say that in the Vilna Shas, this is a new Mishnah. Many Mepharshim say that this is not a new Mishnah. It's really the part of it's the exact words of the last Mishnah. And that uh, Rashi held that it was a new Mishnah, so he called it Masnis in the front, but others hold that it's not. And uh, they say if you look at the, in the Seder Mishnayot, mm-hmm. it's not listed as a, as a Mishnah. This Mishnah is not listed as a standalone Mishnah. Wow. Thank you. No, I hadn't noticed that. Um, I see that there's a the it's like a star here, you know. Also, that fits into that. Okay. So Hanoda Maisa Somebody took a vow not to eat stuff that goes that's made in the pots. It's a little bit different language than mavusho cooked. So ain't us el Maisa He's only forbidden uh, into the things that need to be fully cooked. Uh, there are certain foods that are. Um, um, Let's see the uh, the run on this. I know the master Einer also elamaisa restrictim. But first, you show me Eza. What's considered something that's heated? Kigon chilkia targan v'tisni solus v'orez zarid v'arsen. 
those are, are grains. Behind the comer, Ainu Asa Al Maisa Resikta Vinik Resikta Al Shem Shisirk Larsiak Lavashal Harba. There are certain foods that they need cooking a long time. It's like if you eat rice and it's still hard, it's not good. You need to cook it until it softens up. But barley, other things, you know, like those. So uh, these things are things they don't mean. There's some things that you just pop, you know, you make them hot or you cook them for a short time. That's not the this term. Maisa Kadeira means it needs a long cooking, according to this pshat. Um, the, the Rashi has something that you, uh, you have to finish it off in the frying pan or uh, something like that. Okay. Omer, uh, if you use the word anything that goes in a pot, anything even for a short amount of time. So the first term means long cooking, any food that needs to be cooked for a long time. And the second term means any food that goes into a pot even a short time. Um, if you forbid something that went into the Kadeira, then you forbid something that went into the Ilfas. Apparently, first they did it in the Kadeira, and then they put it in the Yilfas. To, to, it needed two methods of cooking to fully cook it. But if you only forbid what goes in the Yilfas, then you're allowed to from the one that goes in the Kadeira. If you say something that was fully completed in the Kadeira Mutter Benasib Ilfus, then you permitted in what was made in the Ilfus. So again, it's just the term of the vow that was used to figure out which things are forbidden. What about if you said things that go in the oven? The only thing that really is made in the oven was that the bread was put in the oven. The Imam or Kol Tanner, they used to warm up things in the Tanner, so even not bread, even other things. As we turn the page. New Mishnah. Min Kavush. Uh, somebody asked yesterday, well, we were talking there about if something, so, the pickle. Somebody says, no pickles, things that are pickled. He's talking about veggies. Veggies are the pickles. Now, there's pickled herring, there's pickled, there's other pickled foods, but typically uh, pickles, in, in English, pickles are just, you know, cucumbers, right? Or maybe tomatoes or, uh, but, uh, the, uh, the Mishnah is saying that if he used that term, we go with the majority of the way it's used, which are veggies. If he used the term shaluk, which we had is, is a much lighter form of cooking, it's, it's like a rare meat. If he said anything that's uh, done lightly, so then anything that's done lightly, not just that meat. Again, this this term shaluk refers to a specific way of preparing meat, even though it's sometimes used on other foods. So if he says the food that's uniquely shaluk, that refers to meat. If he says anything that got shellacked, then uh, that refers to even these other things. And again, in English, we can't really do justice to that term. Uh, what happens if he says dikavish? My, he says, with like the word dalad in front, or dishalach, that is my, ditzli, that is my, dimaliach my, heikon mashma. Oh, you have to ask Eliyahu that, T-boy, I'm not sure. <laughs> so we have really three ways of saying it. You can say the, the one, the main way that term is used. You can refer to anything that gets processed in that way. Uh, and uh, then you can also use it with a dalad first, which the Gemara was, uh, does not resolve 
when you use the the dalad there, what that means, what that does to it. Uh, um, yes. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that the use of the language when when he says, you know, shani to aim. Usually, when we think about tasting, it's just like putting a little bit in your mouth and like just to see like what it tastes like, as mm. opposed to like consuming and consuming it. And here, the this gemara, the next one is all basically saying that that's like the next step beyond that. If you're saying shani to aim. Then it's totally awesome. Yeah, so I, I, I think that's correct. In other words, that what a person wants to say is, I won't even put it in my mouth. Uh, Sometimes the person say, I'm not going to eat that, but yeah, just take a taste. Um, you know, just a little taste. That's not eating. So he's swearing, I won't even touch it. I won't even take it. Right. Um, okay. uh, um, and a few times it's thrown that in. I don't. I, it's interesting to me that sometimes he doesn't go that far in the netter to say the shani toim. He just says, it's, uh, um, he says, I'm not going to eat this. And then in, in certain places, he went a step further, shani toim. I, I, it could be that what he's doing is that in making the vow, he's making it into, he, he has to be konim something. And, and the way a vow works is you're saying, it's usher to me what I taste. In other words, whatever goes into my mouth, that's going to be a conum to me. Uh, but okay, let's see the new mission. Mincely. Anything roasted, enosu mincely. Shobasur. Roasted refers to meat. You know, you may roast veggies, but the main purpose of roasting, you know, if you get a grill, that's, you know, it's a, uh, some people like to roast the other things, but it's, it, you don't put on the grill except for meat. That's the main thing. Uh, if you said anything that got roasted, then it refers to everything that went through the roast. If you said things that get salted, fish are the things that are salted. They salted fish, herring, other things, locks. But if you said anything salted, then anything else that's salted. Uh, what else would they salt? Cheese, other things, uh, veggies, I guess. Yeah, you can salt anything, I yeah, guess. There was a preservative. Yeah. yeah. There was salt meat? Salt meat, yeah, perhaps. <laughs> but we're saying that fish was considered the salt. Yeah. Dog, dogim, shani toim. If you use the word dog, dogim, so asr behad ben dolim, ben katanim, ben melukim, ben tfeilim, ben chayim, ben musholim. If you say dog, dogim, you mean all kinds of fish. Umutr betris trufa, but you're allowed to eat chopped fish. Ubitsir, and you're allowed to have the fish jello, the famous gefilte fish jello, or the, you know, the, what do they call it, the brine? Is that what they call it? Or the, oh, the, the, the thick stuff, the, uh, the, jelly is, the, the jelly is, the, and, and there are connoisseurs of the jelly that, uh, I, you know, I don't know too many of them, but uh, there's some people that they want that stuff. Okay. Yeah, that's right. What about if he used the word sachana? Sachana is like uh, even that fish stuff. So then he's not allowed to eat the tristrufa, but he's allowed to eat the juice. Uba, uh, uba moris. I know the tristrufa, if he says, I'm not even having any fish juice, then, then you can't even have the tzir uba moris. These various fish dishes. Uh, let's do some rand a little bit just to get no, some. I think it's, it's mutter. Oh, the ushers in parentheses. Right. Mutter is. Anoda mitristru for Usr Bitsir Ubamaris. So what is it? Do you see a little olive there? Um, I don't see a little, I see a star. Oh, yeah. There, on the left side, some people have the word mutter put in. 
makes a big difference. <laughs> they're forbidden, they're permitted. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. But Rashi and the Rush, they have the word Aser. So we got a bunch of Rishonim over here about what's the correct text. Mach Locus. that's right. So if you, just to be, be Machmir and don't touch that fish juice. <laughs> okay. Let's see the Mishnah, though. Uh, let's see the Ran. Again, I, I'm almost embarrassed that I use Rashi so much for Dafyomi. Nothing wrong with that. It's just uh, the Ran is the Pirish of choice, but he's so lengthy that if we were to do it, we'd never finish the Daf. So it's uh, sometimes harder to go there first. Let's see the, uh, the Rashi. Dag, dogim, sheni time. Dag, mash, magadol. The word dog implies the big fish. Dogim implies small. In other words, if, if you, when you eat supper, you say, I want, in Hebrew, there's a, it's, uh, in English, uh, the word fish means one fish or ten fish. I want fish. But in, in Hebrew, the word dog means one fish. If you want a bunch of little fish, you say dogim. You, you wouldn't ask for, like, herring would that be dog because it's many little fish. It's dogim. That's right. Student versus sardines. So dog mashagado mash mektanim. The key that once you say both are forbidden bengdo, the small kinds, the big kind. Umuta betris trufa dog shishmo tris. It's a trist fish. Umokanosuba katikas. But it's only sold in pieces. Shiloneder elamidog and nimkasholim. I wonder if it's like tuna or something. Like you know, certain fish are so big that they're always just sold in pieces. So that's this uh, tris, uh, the tris trufa. Uh, the word trufa means like torn up. It's a torn up fish. It's made from the innards of the fish. And certainly, that's made of the fat of the fish. So uh, those are the different fish dishes. Back to the Gemara. He says, I'm not going to touch fish. He, that means he can't eat a big fish, but he's allowed to eat the small fish. Daga, if he used the word daga, then that's the, he can't eat the small fish. No herring, no sardines, and what to be done, he can eat the big fish. Dug daga, not the big, not the small, how did we know that? Where did we see those terms? How do you know the word dug means a big fish? There was the one that swallowed Yonah. That had to be pretty big. I vexivi spell Yona el Hashem el Kab the May Daga, but that fish also was described as Daga. So that when we just said that's a small fish, Amelo Kasha Dilma Palta Daga. Oh, maybe he started out in a big fish, Ubola Dag Katna, and he got swallowed by a small fish. So many people aren't aware. That's what the Midrashim say that it wasn't just one fish. Uh, they played ping pong with Yona. One of them spit him out. The, the Midrash points out the first one was a male fish. And it, there was a little bit of room there. It was a little more comfortable to be inside that fish. And it said the first few days, Jonas still didn't change his mind. He still was so stubborn and refused to uh, dive into Hashem. So Hashem spit him out of the comfortable male fish. And then he got stuck inside the belly of a female fish and had to share it with a baby fish inside the womb. And it was much less comfortable. And so then he... Uh, but again, there is a discussion there. So Lemoria said... Now, by the way, I, fi- I found this Gemara difficult because it still had to be pretty big. When, when we say small fish, we've been talking about sardines and, uh, uh, and uh, uh, herring. And he's describing, even if you want to say the second fish was smaller than the first, the first one was a whale and the second one was whatever, it's still pretty big. 
So I find it interesting. Maybe it just means small in comparison to the other one. Ela daga mashma. Ah, so Ela vadaga sherbiyar mesu. It says that the fish in Egypt died from when the water turned to blood. So do you mean to tell me only the small fish died gedolim lo mesu? Are you telling me daga only means small fish? So does that make sense that the big fish were still alive? Ela daga mashrek dolim The word daga means both. And that fits in, then it comes out, Yonah's fish, the, the, both fish were big. But uh, with Nadorim, it depends on how people talk. It could be, it's true, the word itself could be used for both. It's just, uh, there's certain slang. When somebody says, I caught a big fish, they use the word dug, and they small, they said dugga, they use the word like the female, a smaller one. Hano, what about Sachano? What if he says, the word sichun, anything that's juicy. So what is that? Anything that has that fish juice with it. Does he mean the big fish or the juice? My T-boy. We'll have to ask Eliyahu what, what the deal is. Does he mean refer to the fish or does he refer to the fish juice with the other stuff? It's not so clear. Uh, we'll start the other Mishnah just to tell you that we're starting it, but we're not going to uh, actually, uh, the next stuff is pretty small, but Hadot Minachalif. You say, no more milk for me, mutubakum. You're allowed to have curds and whey's. Uh, a little Miss Muffet over here. The, uh, there's different forms of milk. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, a lot of people don't get it. They, they want to use the milk allergies to tell them what's parv. And they don't realize that even people that are allergic to milk are not allergic to some ingredients that are made from milk. The most famous one is non-dairy creamer that has casinate in it, and people that are extremely allergic to milk, for some reason, the hardened milk, which is made into casinate, they're not allergic to. So therefore, they were able to come up with a coffee creamer that even people allergic to milk can have, which has casinate in it. So when it says non-dairy, it's telling the, the, those people that are allergic to dairy, they can have it. But actually, it doesn't mean it doesn't contain dairy, because casinate is made from milk. But the, the, the way the Food and Drug Administration uses non-dairy just means the allergic people don't have to worry. Uh, and that, you have no idea how many people get confused by that because they said non-dairy means, no, it doesn't mean non-dairy. It means, and then they look in the ingredients and it says casinate a milk derivative. Uh, and so, uh, and it even gets worse. Sometimes it doesn't say casinate. It says cher- natural cherry flavor. Well, guess what? Uh, or natural peach flavor. Uh, they use dairy in flavoring, and people that are uh, dairy-free will have flavors that have dairy in them. So people have, they, again, the, the, the unlearned person wants to assume that it's part of, so it's like Ritz crackers, uh, doesn't list any dairy, but it lists flavors. They've got a, hidden, uh, a dairy in the flavor, which is a trade secret. Uh, but the people that are allergic to dairy can still eat the cracker and not get sick. No, it has an O-U-D. Uh, but a lot of people thought that uh, it doesn't, uh, they can eat it with their chalet because uh, it's, uh, it doesn't say dairy. In fact, it says that for people, dairy, you know, dairy-free. But dairy-free just means that people allergic won't. And I'm just saying that's the way the food and drug decided to define it. So the question here is, the person said no milk, so that, but that, he's okay with the uh, milk powder, the kum, the ways. Abishol says a note of Minagvina, if you say no cheese, also be Maliak Fitfela. 
whether it's salted or not. There's salted cheese and there's different kinds of cheese. There's the hard cheese and the soft cheese. What does he mean? So we'll leave this. And then if you take a vow from red meat, what do you mean? Do you mean the juice? So again, there's a number of food terms that we're going to get into in the next Mishnah, and we will see what's included. I, I guess I, I told you that I don't like to do rounds because otherwise if we do the round tomorrow, we'll be here the whole week. <laughs> okay, maybe we'll do it. Okay, have a great day, everybody.